welcome once again, my friends, to the Irish in Sweden podcast, the first such podcast of 2024. I hope you had a tremendous Christmas and a wonderful new year and that you're just a little bit sad to be back in Sweden and going back to work or back to the studies or whatever. I hope you had a magical time altogether and that the memories of that will tide you over now through these freezing dark days that we are having here in Stockholm and in Sweden in general. If you're listening for the first time, my name is Philip O'Connor. This year I will have spent 25 years in this wonderful country and I make this podcast every week for the Irish in Sweden. And you know what? Not everybody does enjoy Christmas. So if you're one of those people who doesn't or finds it difficult or who didn't have a great time, I hope at least it was peaceful anyway and that you're coming back to us now and ready to get going in our little community here again. As I mentioned, this podcast is just one of those things that we do to keep the community together. I've started doing it uh, post-pandemic a couple of years back and it's been running pretty much every week ever since took a little break over the Christmas lads didn't want to be spamming the feed now right didn't want uh, all the partners turning to you in the car and going not this idiot again we're driving for nine hours to Mayo and I can't be putting up with them right so I decided I was going to put all your loved ones out of their misery by uh, by not putting out a podcast now that's not to say that I've been sitting on my hands here lads just eating the Christmas pudding straight out of the fridge right there's actually two or three interviews already done one of which you're going to hear today and it's a great lovely bright enjoyable forward-looking interview i'll tell you more about that in a second right two things i want to tell you before we do get into that interview uh, the first is that the spuds and sill theater company here in stockholm are looking for a director for their performance that's going to be coming up now in the spring early summer there right um you're going to have to do a little bit of homework on this yourself because I don't have the, so the information in front of me. But look for Spuds and Sill, uh, S-I-L-L. It's a form of fish if you're new to the country, right? Spuds, if you don't know what, well, no, if you don't know what Spuds are and you're listening to an Irish and Sweden podcast, well, I don't know if there's a whole lot I can do to help you, right? Spuds and Sill, in any case, is the name of the drama group. Uh, you'll find them on Facebook, you'll find them on Instagram, and uh, you'll find posts about them looking for a director for their upcoming performance. And I'd strongly suggest that if art and culture and theatre your thing get involved lads because it's brilliant crack altogether. I must actually try and get down to some of the rehearsals now with the microphones and uh, we'll bring you exactly what kind of crack that is right. The other is our good friend Aaron Kennedy right uh, that's Aaron at Aaron underscore Kennedy underscore performance on Instagram. Aaron is kicking off the new year and he's looking for 12 people to take part in a 12 week program right. Now uh, I did a little program with Aaron last year it was only about four weeks and Al Mahan I think lost about 12 kilos when we were doing the program Aaron is absolutely amazing so do get in touch with on my Instagram if you want to get fit for the new year if you need somebody to chat to about diet or what exercises you should be doing and that kind of thing Aaron's a brilliant motivator he's extremely knowledgeable former professional MMA fighter he's a personal trainer Aaron knows all about these things right so do get in touch with him at Aaron underscore Kennedy underscore performance will get you in touch with the man from Northern Ireland who will get you ship shape before the summer right uh, before we get into this whole thing of the interview, it's actually Callie Ryan is coming up. And if you're asking me, why do I know that name, Phil? Well, lads, it's like this. It's because he was on the podcast before. Callie is actually uh, part Swedish, part Irish, lives in Ireland, right? Not half Swedish or half Irish because there's none of us is half nothing, right? But he's both Swedish and Irish. But the difference between our experience and his is that he grew up uh, Swedish or part Swedish in Ireland. But I was, uh, I was browsing on the old Facebook, as you do on the Melandogana, the Twixtmas days when you've nothing better to be doing, 
lads, right? And I saw that he put up a post just where he noted that he hadn't had, uh, he hadn't drank alcohol for about three years. And that, no more than Aaron Kennedy getting you all fit and putting you through the boot camp, that's kind of what this time of the year is all about, isn't it? Everybody comes back and they got out of a dry January and some people find it very difficult and some people look forward to it and they get up with a spring in their step every morning because they don't have a hangover after too much cava or whatever. So I thought I'd have a chat to Kelly and it's not just that Kelly's off the drink, lads, right? It's just he worked for Facebook and for Google for years, right? Extremely creative chap. Really sort of clever when it comes to that kind of thing and very accommodating as well. Not the kind of man to sort of hide these things, these secrets away. He's more delighted to talk about creativity and how we get the best out of one another. Before we do that, you might consider supporting the podcast in 2024, right? Patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm. Over the last year, I've been delighted to have been joined by Anthony Morrissey down below in Gothenburg, who is about the cleverest, most energetic and most handsome fella that has ever come out of County Wicklow. And I say that knowing that Carl Lambert is a good friend of mine, right? But Anthony is just a tremendous fella altogether. Another big rugby fan, spent years working with Munster Rugby. And uh, he works a little bit part-time with me, as does Molly Breen from Malahide. Molly just moved over, a recent uh, graduate from Trinity College, another exceptionally intelligent and energetic individual. But both of them have been helping me out. So what we do is, uh, you know, any donations that come in and that, we're trying to grow this podcast business, both in Sweden and uh, globally, right? So for the global Irish, Irish community. So if you can support me on that, you're talking about probably 10 or 12 podcasts every month that are dropping on the Irish, or sorry, the Stockholm podcast feed. So for a fiver a month or 50 crowns a month, uh, that'd be brilliant. If you can't afford it, that's grand. But I would ask then that you share the podcast, right? So if you hear me talking to Canada Ryan and you know somebody who's working at Facebook or Google or who might have an interest in what's happening in Sweden, just share the podcast and I'd be delighted with that. You can also swish a few bob to 123-2424-166. That's 123-2424-166. So a good idea might be if you're in one of those sales jobs and you've just got a big fat Christmas bonus there, right? Uh, like, so it'll be 600 crowns on Patreon for the year or 60 euros on Patreon for the year. Just fire that over by a swish and then you can listen with no guilt whatsoever for the rest of the year, lads. And I'll come back and uh, try to bother you again next year, yeah? Whatever way you choose to support the podcast, if it's financially or if it's by sharing it, I don't mind, but I'm just delighted to have you along and I really enjoy making these podcasts for you. Listen, let's get into it anyway with Cal and Ryan. As I said, browsing through Facebook there and I've seen this thing pop up and I it's definitely worth a chat especially in these dark days of winter so here he is now from dublin last week i had a little bit of a chat with him and i'll be back when all is said and done uh, just to put a little bow on the top of this and tell you what's coming next week then here's kelly Kelly Ryan, a very happy new year to you from the Irish in Sweden podcast. Uh, your second appearance, one of the very few people to make it on a second time. That'll tell you how popular you are here. But could we just start by reminding listeners of your connection to Sweden, apart, of course, from your wonderful uh, first name? Yes, indeed. My first name is a bit of a giveaway. Uh, yeah, so I'm half Irish, half Swedish. Mother was Swedish, father Irish. They met in a pub in Galway. The rest is history. And I was brought up speaking Swedish, lived in Sweden for about five years of my life in Kalmar, and then also then really raised in Ireland. As you can hear from my accent, it's not the Stockholm accent. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm uh, I'm proudly Swedish and Irish. 
There you go. It's always good to hear. How would you have celebrated Christmas then? Because just before Christmas, we went to Lots and Co. Uh, down yes. in Clontarf, and they had all the sort of, you know, the Swedish Marabou, Kuklaan, and Yulmust, and all that kind of thing. Do you yes. go shopping there, like, before Christmas? I and do. Try to make it? Do you? I yeah. Do. Uh, we are not, we're not uh, sponsored by Lots and Co., but I will say they're brilliant. And, they uh, are tremendous. We have, a, we have a Lots and Co. near where I live down here in, uh, in, in Sandy Mount, and um, I picked up seal, I picked up Yulmust, I picked up Marabou Claude. So generally the way I'd celebrate Christmas is we do a big Swedish Christmas on Christmas Eve. As we know, it's the big Swedish Christmas day. And I'll invite my sister and her family and we'll have a full Yule board. Uh, uh, I made 200 Shatbullar this year. Uh, thank you very much. I was, uh, I was appreciated, I think, by the troops. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll have a little bit of sing song and whatnot and uh, and do that. And then Christmas Day, my sister hosts us and does the full Irish Christmas. So I get double the fun and uh, double the amounts of sleepiness uh, with copious amounts of food, you know. That's tremendous altogether. How do your children react to that, Callie? Because obviously, you know, um, it's a sort of a second generation thing with you. You know, you grew up with it sort of, you know, with your mother in both Ireland and Sweden. You know, do they do they have a that kind of relationship? Is it a big part of their Christmas now? Or do they just tolerate you and your sister going <laughs> through the motions? A little from column A and a little from column B, I suppose. But no, in fairness to them, I, I was always pretty strong about like keeping cultural ties. And I think because it's a part of who I am, I wanted to be a part of who uh, they are. And I did speak Swedish to them as youngsters. But uh, as you know, it's quite tricky in a place like Ireland where Swedish is not really that mm. spoken, apart from my sister and myself. And I didn't know a huge amount of Swedes. So the cultural stuff, the rituals, the tra traditions, I think are a brilliant way for just connecting back to all of that history and all those people who went before us. And and by the same token, like I just kind of hope that they'll pick up on a few bits and pieces of it and maybe bring it to their own traditions down the road, you know, because it's important and it's a way to mark sort of who you are and what you care about. And 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 I think actually Swedish Christmas is potentially a bit nicer than Irish Christmas. Don't oh, don't Jesus, tell us. Squeezy, you'll have them go mad all over Sweden. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. It's 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 equal. It's equal. equal. Yes, that's yes. It was a log on Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Log on Christmas for everybody, I think. is uh, there. We've ticked all the boxes there. Uh, yeah. Do your kids and do the people around you like Sill? I'm asking because there's one man from Dublin who spent his first Christmas here, and I think he was living in some sort of perpetual fear of eating raw fish. Like, Do, do your kids go for that? Yeah, they have ventured to the Sill jar, but they've generally turned their nose out of it. The only person who really eats it is me. My sister will, will nibble at it occasionally as well. But in fairness, it is a tough sell. You know what I mean? It's not something that everyone's going to go for, but I love it. Ah, geez, it's not that bad, like, you know. No, I think it's good. Listen, people eat sushi all the time. It's just another scando kind of uh, version of it, I suppose, if you yeah. want to call it that. And do you go all in with the whole lamb fuel and Lutefisk and Janssons and all that no, kind of no, thing? No, 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 no. Well, no, I do Janssons minus the uh, the stinky fish because that was just immediately, they were like, why would you ruin great spuds with putting stuff in it? And so we've done, we just do a potato gratin. But Lutefisk, I think, is even a bridge too far for me. And I'm pretty adventurous with food, but, uh, you know, I, I and uh, the lamb fuel, no. It's meatballs, it's sausages, it's veg, it's uh, cold cuts, it's all the usual bread and all the good stuff that you'd expect on a Yule board. And uh, Yule must on top of that then? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Wash it all down with a big foaming tankard of Yule must, which I've tried to explain to people. I don't know if you like I don't even know how to describe it. It's like Coca-Cola, but it's not. And it's got this kind of weird sweetness, but it's not. And I don't know even how to describe it. I love it. Well, every year I, I convince myself this year I'll do the story, for, you know, of Yulmut and how sales of Coca-Cola in this country fall off a cliff in December. <laughs> and every year I forget until the middle of December. And then you go, oh, it's too late. You I'll can do, do it for Musk, Musk. Maybe you have, your, have yourself a run of a couple of months. to be Exactly. Well, I have to change all the labels on the bottles first, but then I'll do that, you know. <laughs> Listen, the reason that I got in touch with you, not that it's it's always nice to be in touch with you, but I saw a post that you put out there just after New Year, and any post featuring a picture of a can of, of Guinness Zero has my immediate attention, right? Uh, could you tell me that, about that post that you put up there and uh, why course. you put it up? Of course. So I, uh, I, I posted because I'm three years off the drink, uh, and it was just a kind of way for me to mark the occasion. So... The, the, the reality was three years ago, we were sort of at that Christmas period, New Year period, just after the pandemic had been at its height. And, um, and you know, like most people, I'd probably been drinking a bit too much, but that wasn't really the reason. Um, my brother-in-law had his 40th birthday. He had a lovely night of cocktails, which we did over Zoom with pals in the States. I thought this is a lovely way to end off now the the year. And I said, I'll just take a take a little break from the booze. And then a few days became a few weeks, which became a few months. And then here we are three years later and I don't drink anymore. And I just sort of wanted to put that post out and also just sort of express empathy, solidarity, warmth to anyone out there who is struggling with drinking. I'm thankful that I wasn't really ever somebody who was in the depths of struggling with drink. But at the same time, as you know, in Ireland, a lot of the world centers around drink, especially at this season as well. And so I just sort of think about those folks who maybe are having a harder time with it. And, and it's also just a marker for me and, and sort of think, yeah, I, I, I've achieved that. And that's something that's working for me. Um, when we hear people talk about dry January, which is it, it'll probably yes. make its way into the title of this podcast somewhere. It okay. almost seems like Lent. You know, it seems like this. Yes. Enormous sacrifice, you know, as if you're crawling up the, the dusty mountain on your hands and knees kind of things, you know. What does that say about us as as people, Callum? Because, you know, it, it, like, is drink, is, is there no life in Ireland without it? Well, I can attest to the fact that there is. And I think also um, uh, there's a there's a kind of a growing movement amongst people, I think, to sort of uh, moderate, abstain, even like just feel healthier, perhaps. I think the dry January thing is there is a certain amount of Irish guilt about it going, oh, Jesus, I've done loads now over Christmas. So I'll take I take a little break. Um, but I also think, like you said, there's a sort of a self-flagellation thing where it's like, Jesus, if I, I'll, I'll just have to try and get through a month now without drinking. And you're thinking you're not you're, you're not being asked to, like, you know, come up with a master plan to, to, to run a government here. You know, like what you're asking to do is to just not have a drink for a month. And I just thought, I suppose maybe mine was a little bit the dry January inspiration because I think there was others around me. But really, for me, it was like, listen, I won't drink this week and then I won't again. And then I was like, I actually don't terribly miss it. And also there was a sort of an added thing where during COVID, we weren't actually going out that often, you know, so there wasn't really even the sense of like, well, I'm in the pub and I'm missing out on anything. But now now it's just kind of people accept that I don't drink and people uh, accept that there are non-drinkers. And they honestly feel like, the range of drinks now is vastly improved, even th from three years ago. I think a lot of the booze companies have cottoned on to this. Now, there's maybe ulterior motives where they can put their brand out there and put a little zero zero beside it on a football hoarding. But 
I'm grateful that there's a few more choices than just sparkling water and Coca-Cola. There's only so much of that you can drink. Mm. I was talking to a guy a few years ago in 2016. I was at the Euros in football and there was a Belgian mm. reporter who was working with us. And he was, because obviously in, in Belgium and Netherlands and Germany, beer is a big thing. And it was yeah. only really kicking off then the whole thing of like, like actual zero alcohol beers that you could drink and not feel suicidal after yes, because they were yeah, so yeah, terrible, yeah. you know? Yeah, and they, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but he was saying this is going to be the big thing. And at that stage, I hadn't even tried them. You know, I gave up drinking. Ooh. I can't even remember when. But it's a good 10 or 12 years ago now. No, it's probably more, maybe 15, you know. But uh th that was the thing that there was no real alternative. And it was like Ram Lassa, you know, sort of bubbly mineral water yeah. or bally gown or soft drinks. I I drink like one soft drink or two soft drinks a year. I just I'm just not a Coca-Cola person or whatever. What do you what's your tipple nowadays where you would have gone from like a pint of gin and tonic to what do you drink now? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a lot of sparkling water, obviously. Um, I, uh, I I invested in a soda stream, which probably helped uh, a little bit as well. And, you know, uh, for the Irish listeners, you'll be appreciating this. The My Wadi is an old classic as well. So oh, we do sparkling or not. Um, and those are kind of the things I drink. I mean, obviously, I'll drink a few Coca-Colas here and there as well. But like you said, you I, I kind of get a bit jittery if I'm drinking too many of those as well. Mm. I think, like, also, if I'm going out, uh, the Guinness Zero Zero is genuinely a good tasting drink. And then of the lagers, they're all pretty bland. I would say, like, not that we're promoting or getting sponsored, although happy if you get sponsorship from Peroni. But, but the Peroni Zero Zero, I would argue, is the best one out there. Or you get your about, commission. If they come back to us with money, you're okay, definitely great, getting 20 great, great, Yeah, yeah. It's checks in the post. The other thing I was going to say to you, Phil, is I was in, uh, my wife's American, and we would spend a lot of time in the, in the South, in the States. And even last summer, there was nothing. Like, you yeah. literally, you could get an O'Doul's, I think was the name of it. Oh, they're horrible, yeah. Yeah, real rotten. And now when I went back last time, like even Budweiser gotten in on the act, you get a 24 pack of Budweiser Zero. Not I don't know why you'd drink 24 of them, but uh, but and also like you go to these craft beer places and they haven't really gotten onto it. It's the major brand. So I'd say that's coming too, you know, with the craft beer explosion that's been on over there for a while. Mm. It is amazing. As I said, the Guinness Zero thing was something that I waited for forever, you know, and then it arrived and you go, wow, like this is this yeah. is just exceptionally good. And I was actually passing through Dublin Airport there, Kelly. You know the way they had one of those things because originally when they brought it out on Ireland in the uh, in the cans and they would yeah. attach the can to the pump and then they pour, and now it's just regular kegs. Yeah. So the demand is so great in Ireland now that there's just regular kegs sort of flying around the place, you know? Yeah, um, I'd love to know how they're making it as well because I heard a rumour, maybe you're better than I at finding these things out, being a good journalist to put somebody told me it's actually a loss making enterprise for them because they basically create guinness and then extract the alcohol from it so it's kind of out there as a, as a brand thing for them but uh fair play to them if they're making losing money on it and still doing it because i'm happy it's there i don't know how they're losing on the amount of it that i buy there's no way they're losing yeah. money on a calendar, <laughs> no, you're we're keeping them afloat at this stage it's i wanted to ask you as well right because one of the things that i discovered uh, when I stopped drinking years ago, was uh, I had so much more energy for doing all the mad things that come into me head, right? How has that been for you? Because I would have always seen you as a very uh, thoughtful person, a very creative person. Has that worked in that way for you that you found even more energy to do the things you want to do? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I do think so. I think it's like, 
there's something about sort of writing a ship and I think booze is sort of a, a very easy thing that you can turn to when you either, you know, you're feeling bad or you're feeling good <laughs> for that matter. Um, but uh, that said, I think sort of it clear, it made a bit of cl- clarity for me, I suppose. And I would always be very creatively inclined, but I think where where it's allowed me to sort of really double down. And like you, I'm interested in loads of things. I'm fascinated by things. I'm always trying my hand at different creative practices. And I suppose even there's a simple thing about having time as well, because we spend a fierce amount of time in the pub or doing this, that and the other that's sort of centered around drink. So instead of doing that, I'll sit down and write something or paint something or make a bit of music. So for me, yeah, I think I don't know that that's true for anyone, but uh, certainly I sort of opened up new creative things. And I was able to actually spend a bit of time thinking, you know, uh, and perhaps some of the some of the act of drinking is not thinking or thinking in other ways, you know. So for me, it's avoiding thinking as much as possible. Avoiding thinking or, 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 or drowning it, whatever you want to do, you know. It's an amazing, uh, an amazing vista altogether, you know, taking these thoughts and just drowning them completely, you know, the sea of whiskey kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Was, there, was there any sort of negative reaction? Because I remember one or two people who were quite aggressive when I would say to them, no, I don't drink or I don't want to pint or that kind of thing. They were going, well, why not? You're an alcoholic? Can you handle it? What, what, what's yeah. the matter with you kind of thing? Did you have any of those responses? Because now that was from somebody from uh, from the other island over there, the slightly larger island. Right, yeah. You know, so, uh, I'm familiar but, with it. Yeah, exactly. Would you have had a similar thing? Or are Irish people a little bit more discreet when it comes to that? Do you know, that's a funny question because I actually think, I remember there was sort of like the incredulous response. What? You know, you won't have a point. And and I'm this man on ambulance. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and then they're like, well, he's not pregnant and he's not, you know, all those kind of weird responses. But generally, I think also Irish people don't want to delve too deep. So they're not going to ask you, are you an alcoholic? Like, or certainly the, the, the circle I'm around and I also just sort of would tell them, listen, I'm just just not drinking. And I guess, thankfully, I'm surrounded by sort of good friends who probably were more than accepting of it. And also it kind of didn't matter damn to them. But you're right. There is a sort of a, a strange reaction you get where it's just like, why why wouldn't you drink? Like, what what's that about? And, and part of my thinking is just going that like I drink I drink tea. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I have other vices. I mean, it's only one that I've dropped here, you know? It's not like fluid intake is completely over for me, you know? Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm up to my neck in my wadi. But, like, the, the, the thing is, like, I think that sort of uh, angry reaction maybe, certainly in my group of friends, wasn't too bad. And I think also there's a there's a generational shift here where there's people who don't drink, uh, like, in, in my... Uh, certainly my son is too young to drink, but certainly that generation above them, like... There, it's it's more and more accepted, and I feel like there's more. There's a there's a great bar even now in in Dublin called I think it's a Bloody Mary or something like that, uh, where they do non-alcoholic cocktails exclusively. You know, and so that's fascinating to me that there's that movement happening. And like we said before, like I think people are okay with it. Uh, generally, there might be an initial reaction, but for the most part, my my experience was pretty good like there's still a bit of incredulity going like are you not going to get back on it like you weren't an alcoholic i'm like it's not it's not, it's not a gym membership like that i want to do like as laps like I, I might but it's not really my choice now and honestly i actually don't miss it now like i'm sure it was the same for you where there's sort of an initial place where there's certain settings where it can be a bit tricky like a big party or maybe a big night out where but even then, I also find it's a great way to sort of go, well, 
we've hit peak pints at this point, and they're the only talking that's going to happen is recycled or probably not coherent. And that's not a slight on my friends who drink, but that's just the reality when you're sober and seeing it from a different lens. So I usually just go, I'm a big boy now. I can go home, have a great night. And that's that. And that's mm. grand. And nobody seems to be too, too pissed off about that. I, I was at the, the Winter Olympics in China there a couple of years ago. And, oh, yeah. Um, it was great. And we, you know, the, the, sort of one of the lads came, or two of the lads came, and they went, okay, we're going to go to the bar and have a drink. Do you want to join us? And I said, absolutely. Now, these two lads absolutely love rugby, right? So I was saying, okay. Right. Uh, and, you know, they will, like, as rugby players and former rugby players tend to do, they sometimes repeat themselves. And I said, I am absolutely, I'm coming down there. But the moment one of you two repeats themselves, <laughs> because of a couple of minutes, I'm gone, right? And sure enough, at about half past 10, a quarter to 11, the same story was told again. I went, that's it. I got to bed. Oh, no, no, don't go to bed. You're great crack. And I went to bed. And they didn't even remember the follow-up. Oh, they go, what time did you go to bed at? I don't remember you leaving at all. You know, so. I, all I remember was telling a great story. Yeah, again. <laughs> exactly. Oh, by the way, did I tell you that great story for a fucking third time? Kind of thing, you know? Here we go. <laughs> do you look at people, now that you don't drink yourself, right? Do you look at people who do drink any differently? Because it's one thing to sort of look at yourself and go, yes, well, I feel this and I feel that. But do you look at other people and you go, yeah, there's there's a person who could probably do it a couple of weeks on the wagon. Or, you know, do you find, is there a judgy part of yourself that comes out now that you don't drink, do you think? I, I'd i like to think not. Like like my wife still drinks, all, all of my friends drink. I, I Actually, one of my good friends, Colin Keegan, the poet, doesn't drink either. And so we kind of do walks and things like that. So it's easy to sort of uh, fr- uh, spend time together with that aren't drink related. But when it comes to other people who drink, like I don't really, I, I, there's no point in me judging them. Like what the hell? Like who knows what journey they're on now? Certainly there's people I've seen where I'm like, they may want to lay off the sauce there, but mm. it's also not like, are they going to listen to me? Like, in fact, probably less so than somebody who's drinking. Like, you know, they'd be like, what do you know about drinking? You don't even drink. Uh, so, and also there's sort of that Irish mythology of like, he, geez, he's some man for the pints or he loves a drink. And you're like, well, what are we actually saying there? So I like, the, I don't think that's my place. And I don't think it's it's right to even judge because I have no idea uh, like what that reaction would be, nor is it really my place to tell them anything. But yeah, of course you can see things and you can observe. Um, but at the same time, like it's it's none of my business. I often find it funny though that like you know when you sit down at a table where a bunch of people are drinking and there's always like sometimes there's one person who's sitting there going like oh yeah oh yeah there he is sitting in judgment on us all now and him oh, yeah. sober offering to drive everybody home that bleeding cheek he, kind of how dare he <laughs> do you well, drive I, as- I wonder though Phil do, do you like is that like that's that's their journey do you know what I mean like that's them projecting <laughs> things where the reality is like I'm not I'm not even thinking about drink you know yeah. what I mean? I'm thinking about what's going on in the conversation, you know? Yeah. Um, is it something that you've talked about within the family at all? How old are your children now? Have you started so to have those four, conversations? Four, 14 and 11. So, yeah, they know I don't drink. And, uh, in fact, it's interesting. I think they feel some sense of comfort that, like, one of the parents is driving. Uh, and that's me, obviously. And they're also comfortable knowing that, like, I'm not drinking. So there's always, like, should there be an emergency, I can jump up at the, the this is sounding like my wife's gargling away all day. She's <laughs> not in the slightest. But by the same token, I think they, so they appreciate it and they understand it. Um, 
Uh, certainly my 14-year-old would, but like mm. the, the younger guy just knows dad doesn't drink. And that, that's not like, I mean, their generation is so much more interesting anyway, because they're so much more open to the world. Yeah. And they're they're open to all the questions that are currently like what we'd call sort of cultural questions. They're, those are just normal to them. So somebody mm. not drinking is is the same as anyone else who is, you know. So I yeah. think you do talk about it and they do know it. And uh, you know, it's not like they're we're proud of your daddy for not drinking. They're just like dad doesn't drink. Yeah, it's just a thing. Like you know, but you were to mention that, like you know, having a child of fourteen, that would have been just coming into the age when people yeah. were sort of you know, certainly in my generation is okay. You'll soon be sort of you know trying to drink for Ireland, you know. Yes. But yes. that seems to be. I was in Iceland a few years ago, and they were saying that people, young people, aren't drinking, they aren't smoking. Is there mm. a reason for that, Callie? Because I know you've worked an awful lot in the social media world and you tend to have yeah. your, your finger on the pulse of these, <laughs> like the zeitgeist a little bit, you know? is it's, Why is that, you know? Is there people on TikTok telling them not to drink or what is it? Well, I'm sure there's people on TikTok telling them not to drink. There's probably people on TikTok telling you to drink as well. Now, I think, <laughs> I, I mean, I, this is purely subjective, but my suspicion is that there's a sort of movement towards wellness and uh, looking after your health and probably even on the mental health side i mean that would be the one i would say has impacted me most positively is that sense of like freeing up any senses of 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 feeling down like booze is a depressant we know that and i wonder are our younger generations kind of going well you know what like i'm going to make different choices like i'm going to make a, a, a another not take another path and to be honest like my 14 year old he's not i mean to my knowledge, is not interested in booze. And in fact, he's kind of the opposite. He's quite he's quite sensible and thoughtful about these things. And so I wonder if there's just even that that movement of going, let me think a bit more about why I want to do it. What's the end goal here? And and that's probably way healthier than yours and my generation, where it's like, right, can't wait to get my hands on some cans and sit outside in the cold. Well, I think when I was growing up, um, you know, in a sort of a working class area of Dublin, drinking was what men did as a sort of a reward for working hard. And it was that simple. And, you know, we men worked hard all day, every day. And then they came home and they ate their dinner and they shouted at the children and then they went for a few pints. And that yeah. was that was basically it. And we grew up sort of, yeah, this is you're entitled to do this. And I think that feeds into the idea that this is a, somehow a reward for all the other things that you have to put up with, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, let, let us leave the drink behind us for a minute and go back okay. to the, the whole creative idea. Like this newfound energy and creativity and that. Where are you in your career right now? Because as I say, you worked for some of the big social media platforms. Yeah. You were very involved there. What have you been doing for the last work or so, uh, for work for the last year or so? Because I know certain things have changed with you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I I did kind of uh, fifteen years actually uh, at Google and Facebook slash Meta, and um, I, I I was working a long time there, and and that's a long time in any job, but in a, in the social media world, it's it's you know it's like dog years. I mean, you're you're going mm-hmm. through sort of waves of societal evolution, and you're watching it from the inside out. But I was lucky because I kind of forged my own creative paths in there and figured out sort of creative jobs, making little videos and t- TV shows at some of them and all of that. And so I kind of uh, when the redundancies happened last year um, and by the way, the role was made redundant. I wasn't. I'd like to point that out. Let let the record show. Let the record show. No further questions, Your Honour. But uh, uh, I will say that I there's sort of the you will know this as an independent uh, professional. There's sort of the the daunting part of, well, I've got to hustle now. I've got to try and put, I'm my own boss. I've got to pull in the work. I've got to do the admin. I've got to do all of that. 
But equally, there was the sort of freedom of going, well, I can kind of go at this whatever way I want. And so the creative sort of spark lit in me. And so I've been lucky enough to sort of do creativity type workshops. I've done them for both adults and 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 young people as well, feeling like I my personal opinion is that creativity is the last great sort of human thing that we can hold on to. AI can make drawings but somebody's got to prompt it in the first place they're not gonna you still need the creative spark so i think teaching young people and adults professionals the same skills are important so i've been doing a lot of that i've also been working with some creative agencies and working on how employee experience is going to be impacted and how to transform those in companies because i think at the core you've got communication which is a creative art in its own selves but like just putting a creative sensibility to how people and companies set themselves up for success because the reality is if you're working somewhere it's it's a the biggest chunk of your day and you want it to be an experience that's positive and i think you're not they're not meeting them where they are the world is moving through tiktoks and work, and different forms of communication and different ways of consuming media and podcasts and all those good things and they're not prevalent enough in a workplace where you're going to actually be able to actually speak to these folks and, and actually make a difference in their day. So a lot of my work is that working with companies now where I'm trying to uh, transform their cultures because I feel like I've left my fingerprints on two of the biggest in the world. So I know a little bit, I'd like to think. Uh, so I'm hopeful that I can bring, start bringing that more and more this year. Now, that's what I did for the last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, and it's been really interesting because you'd be surprised who's open to it and who isn't. And I think the ones who are open to it are the ones who are going to stick around much longer as well. Uh, and, and and I think that's that's an exciting thing. And that's that kind of gives me a bit of hope and a bit of energy because I'm able to actually put creative work, combine it with my communications work and then actually be my own man. Like that's that's a that's a big leap for me. And I'm still figuring it out. Jesus, I haven't figured it out at all. And Phil. I'm sure you're still figuring it out many, many moons later, but it does, it, it can happen and you can do it. And so that's that's where I'm at at the moment. So yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating idea, Kelly, because if you look at, do you remember when social media first came out and Facebook was the, the first big one really that impacted people yeah. and bosses were saying, how do we stop people reading or looking at Facebook at work? And I yes. always thought, why can't you make work as interesting as Facebook? Yes. You know? Why can't you push the same buttons in me that make me want to communicate and make me want to produce and do all these things yeah. rather than saying to me, oh, let's block that website on Shut the firewall kind of thing, you know? Shut yeah. it down, yeah. No, yeah. you're dead right. And even, even when I was at Facebook, you know, they were talking a big game out in the world about video being the new format to communicate. But I saw a gap in there. I was like, we're not using it thoughtfully here. And so I set up a video communications team and started making little TV shows and sort of comedic humorous twists on things as well as just even just information done in a packaged in a way that people understood vertical format video not a radical idea but it's happening already so share that with people make them and and if you're happy at work you're gonna work more productively or whatever adjective you want to talk about it's it doesn't it's not huge rocket science here but it's by the same token it's it's common sense but it's not common practice and i guess that's what i'm trying to do is trying to bring some of that creative stuff in as a common practice and make people feel like yeah like you said this is interesting i'm yeah. i'm prepared to engage yeah 
Is there a big shift? You mentioned AI, artificial intelligence there, right? Um, We mentioned social media and how you engage with employees in particular. Is there a big shift happening? Because like the reason we work, and if you talk to LO, the union over here, you know, they Mm. always go, well, the reason you have holidays is the union. And the reason you have overtime pays the union, all those things. Is there a big shift coming away from this idea of a seven and a half or an eight hour working day in one location? Because I remember Ken Robertson from The Twelfth Man, a great creative agency, did a lot Mm. of work for Paddy Power over the years he was mm. the head of mischief was his title there but he once <laughs> said to me on a podcast right you can go back over the podcast Callie, and he says i work about five minutes every day like literally, <laughs> i'm there and i do you know but work i do about five minutes and then i have an idea and i go to somebody and i make a dare problem and then tomorrow i'll have another idea and another brand is do we need to change the way we view the world of work to take into account all of these developments in the last few yeah years? i i think you're you're dead right i mean look there's an inevitability that the working week is going to be shorter to some degree because simply so many things are going to be automated but i think you're you're onto something there around this notion of like parceling up your time and maybe being more sort of like that whole notion of working smarter not harder all that kind of cliche but i it's actually funny you sparked a thought for me there when i was doing some research for, for so i work with an agency called tbwa at the moment and we did a report on the future of employee experience uh, i can send you a link or you can share it with your listeners if you like but there's some interesting stuff in there around sort of what AI will do in terms of like giving people the freedom to build their own apps and or other devices, platform software to kind of modify their work and day. And then you reminded me of this agency that I looked up where they were a Swedish agency, actually. I, I can't remember the name, um, but they had a thing where they they did three years working and one year off and then back again three years. And maybe it was only done once. Maybe it wasn't a success. But I was like, ballsy as hell but brilliant as well, like replenish the energy, acknowledge everyone is tired. They need time and space to think creatively again, because you're in a loop a lot of time, these places. So I think, I think you're right. Like even just that notion of opening up space to be creative is, is huge. And, and you know, it yourself as, as someone who creates it's, 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 it's time is the big, the big challenge, but equally the time to use to actually just go, I want to be bored or I want to just think about any old joke and then maybe some things drop in, like like your man with his five minutes of an idea. And, and thankfully, he has a team around him who can execute it and get it all done. I'm afraid I am the team just like you are. We're one man team, but what a team. Literally, exactly. Literally, you want to see the juggling that is going on here in this studio most <laughs> of the time. <laughs> now that's subject to creativity, right? Because there's two or three things that we all think of in January, right? One is the dry January, going to get fit, yeah. beach 2024. That's the other thing. The other thing is taking up a creative pursuit, yeah. learning an instrument, starting to write, knitting, whatever. Do you believe that everybody is creative, Kale? Like, it, does everybody have it in them to be able to find something like that to, that will fulfill them or to get, give them that sense of fulfillment of doing something i i like to think so uh i don't think i'd teach you know, sort of creativity workshops and classes if i didn't i think look there's no hiding the fact that some people are more naturally gifted uh, at certain creative pursuits be it music or art or writing or whatever it is but i think all of us have a yearning to 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 make something to do something and creativity of course i think it gets very narrowly defined into like art but like 
a chef is a creative person, you know, like uh, uh, like even uh, traditions or works that, that that you wouldn't consider. Like, I think there's creative mechanics, you know, yeah. there's creative plumbers, there's create like all those things. But then if you're talking about traditional arts, I think that does exist within us. Like, even if you think about what we're doing here, just telling stories and having the chats and like even just the average Irish person has an incredible gift at recounting stories. And I think. All that stuff is just sitting in there. And I think a lot of the time it's them sensing there's something more to me or there's something more I want to express. And that's all it is. It's an expression. And really, even if you're not actually producing a creative piece, be it a piece of work or or some kind of uh, some kind of idea, like thinking creatively is one of the things I try and teach, which is this idea of like like uh, John Berger, the great writer who starts out, talked about it as like all great art is the act of seeing differently, you know, and it's about that lens on the world going, yeah, you might look at that thing and go, it's broken. I might look at it and go, I could make two things out of that that might be cool, you know, and I think that's that's kind of the mentality that needs to 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 be there, and I think that's perhaps what's perhaps what's driving folks when they're looking at this. Also, they may just want to learn guitar, and that's cool because mm. learning guitar is cool. But it's just the, the joy that people get out of that. And I say that somebody is my daughter started in university there back in the end of the summer, and she mm. took one of the guitars at home with her. And like, I'm actually, I don't know, like, you're so good at the guitar now. I don't know how your studies are going, you know, that way, because she seems to get more crack out of that than anything else. But it is, but it's brilliant to see the joy that she gets from playing the guitar and singing, sitting on the dock of the bay or whatever other song comes into her head. You know, do you still, after all these years of, you know, leaving your fingerprints all over social media, do you still get that buzz, Caleb, when you come up with that idea or that process or that thought that you can share with everybody else? Of course, of course. That's what we're chasing all the time, you know. And also, like, how how many things in this world give you joy? Or how many times do you stop to actually let joy in? You know, you're so busy doing other things. And I think, like, the act of creation is just a fun thing to do. And it's it's also just something that where you go, that thing didn't exist a minute ago, and now it exists. And I might finish it. Invariably, I don't, but invariably, I do. And when I finish it, it's there's that feeling of like that is something new in the world, and it didn't. And and that was well, like even with the the kids when I did the creativity workshops during the during the summer, I just said to them, okay, in two days' time, there's going to be physical thing on the table whether we were designing board games as it happens i said that is that has never existed before and it's going to happen because all of your brains are sparking right now and we're going to learn some exercise and ways to do this and then not only will you have made something that never existed before but you now also have those things in your head on how to get there again Mm -hmm. and that might not you might not make a board game the next time but you might make a, a video game or you might make a painting and those things are skills you know that like those soft skills and the creative skill i think is going to be the most valuable thing we can have because ai can create art it can create things but it cannot truly have the creative spark or certainly not yet famous prophetic words play this back later when (laughs) ai makes some amazing thing that nobody even thought of probably will but that true human uh, creative spark course it brings me joy and it brings everyone joy and the same joy i get from seeing another piece of art is the same joy i get when i actually create something of my own whether it sees the light of day or not that doesn't matter i'm making it and it's fun 
Exactly. I think when you get to the point where you make things because you want to make them, not because yeah. there's an audience, you know, there's people say to me, oh, you know, why do you do this podcast for Irish people in Sweden when there's only a few hundred listeners every week? So that's not the point. The yeah. point is not to reach millions of people. The point is to reach people who want to hear it. And it's also, yeah. the, you know, to, to sort of, you know, to take the experiences that we've had and say, OK, there was a gap there. I think somebody might appreciate this and yes. to put something into it. But the AI point is fascinating, Callie, because especially in journalism and creativity, people have spoken about that. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a cover letter yesterday for a job that he's uh, mm. applying for. And I said, did you, did you use ChatGPT for that? And he said, yes, I can spot it a mile off because mm -hmm. it's just, it's just, it's too, uh, I think the yeah. Swedish word is fear can't be. There's like corners yeah. all over the place. And that kind of thing. But the other thing is that I find it hugely useful, right? There's a, there's a, yeah. an app called Otter. And if you and me are having this conversation, it will transcribe the conversation oh, yeah. in real time. Won't yes. be perfect, right? Well, as a journalist, that saves me so much time in terms of like, you know, I can I can get quotes at a football match and I can literally just copy and paste them, clean them up. And that's what I don't have to do. That. And that frees me up then to either have a longer conversation or to talk to another person. Is AI just another electric guitar? Is it just going to end up being another tool for us to use? <laughs> Well, you were dangerously sounding like a tech bro there talking about how it's going to free up all our time. But it is true. Like, it is true. I mean, I suppose in the best possible sense, like the way I see it is it's a tool, you know, and like like anything, when Photoshop came in, they're like, oh, this is going to kill photographers. But it's actually enhanced them. Right. And I think uh, these AI tools, you have to see them as just that. Like the way I was trying to describe to somebody the other day was saying like ChatGPT dead handy for me too like you know if i need to condense some information i can throw it in there it's imperfect so it still needs the human eye but it's a starting point that takes out two hours of work i could have been using for that time i totally agree with you with that but i think also the the, the notion that it's a tool is i say it's fed all this information so essentially everything in ChatGPT or any of these ai bots is a remix it's always a remix because it only it only uses the existing information. So it's like a big fancy old synth. Do you remember that? Do you remember first Bueller where he puts the, the floppy disk in and it can do the coughing and he can do the, the full song in the sound of a cough? And it's like, that's what ChatGPT is to me. It's a big fancy synth where I can go, tell me these things. And it goes out and finds them and plays the synth and then go, yeah, it sounds crap. Let me fix it, you know? And so that's my take on it. I'm sure there's people out there laughing at me going, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's how it works for me. I use it as a tool and it's a great tool. But it's only a tool. It's not a replacement. And it's not a replacement for creative thinking. And that's that's where I stand on it anyway. Yeah. Uh, December 2024, we'll be celebrating Christmas again. What do you expect? What would you like to have achieved by this time next year? Wow. You're asking, this is like, uh, where do you see yourself? Do you remember the Mitch Hedberg joke? Where do you see yourself in five years? The guy asked me in an interview. I said, celebrating the fifth anniversary of this question. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I am. Um, it's very I mean think, of me to throw this in here at the end, but I, I felt I might no, as well. No, you're grand, you're I mean, look, I I think the the reality is, I I just want to feel creatively and professionally fulfilled. Like those those are very generic, broad answers. But the real, I I think I want to work with good people. I want to make an interesting impact on people's lives. That's the one thing I'm I'm really happy about and proud about where where I'm at now is. The things I'm doing are actually making a material difference to people's day. Mm -hmm. And so I think if I can work with more clients who are open to the idea of bringing creativity to their employee experience, bringing uh, better communication, all of those things, I think we'll have a better workforce. We'll have a better world. So I don't know. I guess it's just like be happy with what I've made and done that year 
and uh, you know, the, and maybe the odd Guinness zero zero along the way. We shall toast uh, this conversation about creativity at the end of the year. We might actually come back together and see what we have achieved in the year with the odd Guinness zero. I don't know why they don't sponsor this podcast. I've been a hype yeah, since they, the they're very really beginning. Good. It's they're unbelievable. Really Actually, I should probably do a gig during the year. Maybe I'll see if I can get them to sponsor me as well. I'm thinking my the Brambra mixtape is back. It's 15 years old, so I'm going to try and bring it back as well. That's the other big uh, big goal. That was my uh, gig night that I used to run here in Dublin. So that's another one as well. I should have probably mentioned that. Tremendous. We'll get the Brown Bread mixtape. We'll be back. It'll all be sponsored by Guinness Zero. We're going to just have your people get onto my people, and we'll have to yeah, talk yeah, to we'll their people. Yeah, and then we'll put it, it into ChatGPT and it'll all be bingo. Exactly. We'll get a, an idea from Ken Robertson for the five minutes he works every day. Jason. Yeah, ask him, ask him all about it. Exactly. This time next year, Rodney, as they used to say, and only fools and horses. Callit, thank you so much for joining me <laughs> on the pleasure. first and the most sober Irish in Sweden podcast of the year. <laughs> Here's to sobriety. Thanks, Phil. There you go. That was Kelly Ryan there joining me live from Dublin uh, one morning last week. We sat down to have that very sober chat. Loads of tea was had, loads of chat was had. I really enjoyed talking to him. As I say, just an extremely clever and intelligent and creative individual. And I always walk away from conversations or even WhatsApp messages with Kelly going, oh yeah, I got something to think about there and I hope you did too. Listen, next week we're going to be going up to Hleftio. Okay, We're going to be talking to Paul Connolly up there. Paul is born in London to an Irish family, is working as a journalist up there and lads there's some amazing things going up the further north you go in this country many of you will know that already right from Yavla or who've been up in Lulia working that kind of thing but I was absolutely amazed I got in touch with Paul and we have a great chat that's coming up and Alan Dalton is coming into the studio as well to talk about his new podcast uh, you'll remember Alan was on last year talking about birding about being out and bird watching and uh, talking about bird song and that kind of thing and I had to listen to some of his stuff there. He launched a new podcast on New Year's Day, right? And it's absolutely amazing, right? So we had a little bit of a chat about what he's doing. And it's, as I said, just the breadth of it. And a lot of stuff around that then as well. When we're looking forward to, you know, migrating birds coming back to Sweden and that kind of thing. I never thought that this is the kind of stuff that I would find interesting. But Alan does it. He paints such a picture, you know, when he's talking about these things. It's absolutely amazing. So that is coming up in the coming weeks. As far as I know, I think there's a bit of a kickoff of the embassy. Uh, reasonably soon. I think there's been a gathering or there'll be a few people from the community getting together there with the ambassador to kick the year off in style and um those of you who are at the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden's Christmas dinner, their annual gala there at the beginning of December, will remember an absolutely brilliant speech there by Barbara Jones celebrating the great things that Irish people are doing in Sweden and the great progress that we're making. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to Barbara, who only just arrived over there sort of in the autumn or, you know, the late summer, early autumn there to replace uh, Austin, who was the ambassador here before. But a very impressive woman altogether. And she has a great staff there at the embassy and they're all back with their feet under the table now as well. So there's plenty going on listen lads oh yeah that was what I wanted to say to you right you will have heard there now so we've had Calla on this week and we have Paul and we have Alan and that right girls don't be shy right it's only natural when a fella has a podcast that he's going to get other fellas to go on it right and I do be kicking myself under the table every week thinking did I do enough now to try to get a woman's voice on the podcast right it's there for you guys if you're doing anything at all right now I'm trying to tread the fine line between asking you about what you're doing and coming across as a stalker half the time right so if I am in your DMs or if I'm sending you messages on WhatsApp and that kind of thing it's because I want to share the great things that you're doing with the wider Irish 
Irish community here. And if I'm not in your DMs or in your WhatsApps, right, look me up, okay? Tell me these stories because I'm more than happy to have you on, right? This, this is like, you know when you're getting the plane back to, to from Dublin to Stockholm, right? You're in the VIP queue, right? You're getting, like, you can board this podcast, priority boarding for any woman or in the community who's doing anything whatsoever. I can't say fairer than that, right? So, uh, as I say, the lads will always come to me with suggestions, that kind of thing. But getting more women on the podcast, we want to have that sense of equality here, all jokes aside. Listen, I let you go. Uh, I think it's supposed to get warmer in most places in Sweden this week, but I believe that when I see it, having been down to minus 16, minus 17 in some places I've been over the last few days. But one way or another, no matter how cold it gets outside, lads, there is always the warmth of the Irish in Sweden podcast there for you every Monday morning at 7 o'clock. Until next week, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and I'll be back very, very soon indeed.